Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Now, queen of name dropping, I've got one for you. Hit me with it, Trish. Hit You're going to be quite jealous of this. Walking in the park with my lovely Labrador bridey, Dolly Parton. <laughs> Who comes up and talks to me with his Labrador? Not Graham from Dogs Behaving Badly. No, that would have been good, although my dog's very well behaved. No, Ainsley Harriet. What? TV chef Ainsley Harriet. Did you say, Ainsley, in my bag, I've got a potato, a (laughs) tic-tac and a small sweet. What can I make with it? Did you do that? I didn't, but he did um, throw the ball for my doggy, which was very nice. And he showed me how to throw underarm with one of those big, long dog throwing sticks. Because I always do it overarm and it goes in a bush. And it's so that was quite he was very helpful. He's a very practical man, I think, old Ainsley. Well, well done you. Yes. You no cooking questions at all. No, I just thought he he probably doesn't want to hear that, does he? He doesn't want me to say, I love your barbecue red lentil recipe. Yes, he does. That's what Ainsley Do you think he does? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Next time, it's only across the road. I'll have another go. <laughs> okay. Hello. Hello. Welcome to Postcards from Midlife. I'm Trish Halpin. And I'm Lorraine Candy, and we're on a mission to help you make the most of your magnificent midlife. We'll be tackling everything from mind and body wellness to HRT and your sex drive. Trish and I are here to help you have a stylish second act and answer all your midlife questions on fashion, beauty, careers, relationships, family, and as always, the challenges and joys of parenting teens. Get ready, everybody, because we are back in frisky mode for this week's episode. So we probably need to give our listeners a heads up, don't we? Are we gone, Joan and Jerrica? We have. Again. It's Trish, happening, yes. It? Mm. Regular listeners, you will be aware that we've had a number of guests on recently talking about sex in midlife. We had uh, Cindy Gallup, who told us about her sex and relationships with much younger men. We had Anna Richardson, who was the founder of the erotic film company Frolic Me. And we shared the results, uh, which you all took part in, of our midlife sex survey. And it seems, as with many things, that we are ahead of the curve once again, Trish, because Mm. now everybody, and I mean everybody, is talking about sex and older women because there is a fantastic new film out called Good Luck to You, Leo Grand, starring Dame Emma Thompson. Mm. We're very excited to have the writer of the film, Katie Brand, as our special guest this week. And many of you will know her for her comedy work, um, including her TV show, Katie Brand's Big Ass Show, and also winning Celebrity Mastermind with her specialist subject. This might be the best specialist subject ever, Dirty dancing and she won isn't that brilliant (laughs) but it also turns out she can write with astonishing insight and sensitivity about women and sex and aging and we watched a preview screening of leo grand together didn't we Lorraine? and we were we were actually speechless at the end of it we did go a little bit dare i say giggly i don't know i mean i was trying not to catch your eye throughout (laughs) the whole thing um, oh, I, I think you were sort of panting at one point, Trish. <laughs> Probably was. But this is the moment because there is going to be a lot of talk now following this film because mm-hmm. we've never seen a film like it. We've never seen an older woman portrayed like that, um, having those kind of sexual adventures in midlife. And I'm hoping this conversation is going to change for the better. And that's what we're going to be talking to Katie about later. 
Yes. And if you want to pick up on any of the themes in today's show or would like some advice and support, do pop on over to our private Facebook group. And we do actually have a group expert for sex and relationships. We do. do. The fabulous sex educator and coach Ruth Ramsey. And actually following your suggestion, Lorraine, from a few weeks ago for having a brain fog bloopers chart remember that we've on had the Facebook yeah on the Facebook do you remember that we had uh, quite a few of those so maybe I should share some because you posted about your <laughs> empty saucepan egg fiasco I know. Can you explain that well I got on with things while the eggs were boiling for my breakfast because I like to multitask <laughs> now that I'm on t- testosterone I can multitask mm-hmm. without a complete brain meltdown except it turns out I can't because when I went to get my eggs when the bipper went off it was just a boiling saucepan with no <laughs> I don't know where I put them. I think I left them in the fridge. <laughs> but it did spark off quite a brilliant mm. list in our, our blooper chart. Um, Di said, I once put the oven on for dinner and the timer went off. And when I went to get it out, I wondered, where's my dinner? I put it in the grill oven instead. Yeah. Classic. <laughs> well, I'm always doing that, putting it yeah. in the wrong place. And Sally says, I went to put some extra sausages in the freezer, but realised two hours later that they hadn't made it into the freezer. And I had no idea where they were. Five hours later... After taking the house apart, because you don't want rogue sausages, do no, you, Trish, in the not. house? I found them in the veg drawer in the fridge. <laughs> Fantastic. That's annoying, isn't it? And these ones aren't culinary bloopers, but they were on that thread and they made me laugh. So Donna said, I got to work this morning with my son still beside me in the car. Why wouldn't he tell me as we drove past his <laughs> That school? is teenage boy, so. <laughs> That's the combination. That's the, the deadly anything. combination, the teenage hormone brain and the midlife <laughs> female brain fog brain yeah exactly and there was also paula who said i like this one i tried to put my sandals on this morning while still wearing my slippers (laughs) it doesn't work in case anyone else is thinking of trying it I mean, the bloopers are a, a whole book in there yeah, itself. Are. I do love our lovely Facebook, uh, well, listeners, readers. They're kind of magazine readers from days gone yes. by, aren't they? And listeners now. Um, if we weren't laughing, we'd be crying because it's quite stressful and anxious making a lot of this, isn't it? <laughs> um, that brings me to our How to Win at Midlife this week, which I know nothing about, which is going to be mm. a complete surprise because you went off. Yeah, I was doing something stressful and anxiety inducing, mm. I expect, to go and find out how to relieve stress and anxiety. I didn't you? did. I did. I'm not going to give anything away. I'll have to wait until after our interview with Katie to find out all about it. And um, we'll also have another one of our listeners, midlife milestones and magic moments. Now, we need more of these from you, please. Uh, we love them. They're great stories. So if you do have something you want to share just in two minutes on the podcast, please, can you uh, message us on the group? or email us at hello at postcardsfrommidlife.com. I think it's time to get sexy now. Don't say that kind of thing to me, Trish. It's upsetting even on Zoom. Now, it's time to meet a woman whose new film will change the narrative around women and pleasure. For comedian Katie Brand has created a character so rare that she hardly ever appears on our screens. Trish and I cannot think of any other movie which features a naked 60-year-old woman enjoying a no-holds-barred sexual adventure. It just hasn't happened, which is why we both loved Good Luck to You, Leah Grand, written by today's guest and starring the Oscar-winning Emma Thompson. Katie's film is about Nancy, a 60-year-old retired teacher and widow who 
hires a young male sex worker to give her an orgasm after a physically unfulfilling marriage. Thompson has called the part of Nancy the best and most challenging role of her career. And today we're going to meet the woman who wrote Good Luck to You, Leo Grand, and find out how and why she crafted this poignant, compelling and thoughtful comedy drama. Katie 42 is best known for her Katie Brand's Big Ass Show on ITV and is the author of two memoirs and a novel. She won Celebrity Mastermind in 2021 when her chosen subject was the film Dirty Dancing. She is married with a six-year-old son and a 22-year-old stepdaughter and also appeared on Strictly Come Dancing. But before we meet Katie, we're going to play a short clip from the film. So I've made a list of things that I'd like to get through. I think we'll certainly make a significant dent in it. I've never had an orgasm. And yes, in fact, if we do this, you will only be the second man I have ever had sex with. Oh, God. Now, Nancy. This is crazy. Nancy. It's terrible. It's wrong. Nancy. Yes? Let's go to bed. Okay. So welcome to Postcards from Midlife, Katie Brand. Thank you very much. I I feel quite (laughs) honoured. Thank you. Well, also, thank you very much for this film because Trish and I saw it together and we loved it. Absolutely loved it. It makes quite a feminist statement, but it's also really lovable. I mean, I think that came across. It's witty. It's heartfelt. So for our listeners, tell us why you thought now was the right time to write this film. So I had the idea some years ago. It was, I can't, I'm not sure I could even say it's the whole idea. What it was, was the sense of an opening scene and a scenario, which I found interesting and hopefully truthful and moving and also funny um, of this woman who's around 60, who has been recently widowed and has only ever had one sexual partner for her whole life, which was her husband. Um, And that sex life was very unsatisfactory for her, uh, which is not something she ever discussed with her husband it's just something she dealt with the duration of their 30-year marriage and now that he's gone she has realized that she does have the capacity to take this matter into her own hands and so she books a young male sex worker for the night um, and slightly shocks herself with the fact that she's done that but she has actually done it and now he's about to arrive and it's happening and she's a bag of nerves that was an, an idea for an opening scene I had for quite a long time that just rumbled around in the back of my head and I wasn't quite sure what to do with it and I was doing other work and being busy and so on and then in January 2020 it just came to a moment where I just thought, I just really do want to know what happens to these two in this story. And the only way I'm going to find that out is if I sit down and write it. And I just thought, I'm just going to write this for myself. I'm just going to enjoy myself writing this. And it's fine because it doesn't matter what I write because no one's ever going to see it. (laughs) (laughs) And then I just sort of put it aside because I wasn't quite sure what to do with it. Mm -hmm. And it was only really subsequently that I got in touch with the producer, Debbie Gray, who was looking for things that could could be shot under a new framework of COVID protocols that mm. the government have brought in to try and restart the British film industry. She said, have you got anything that I could look at that might help, you know, we might be able to actually shoot under these protocols. And I said, well, actually, funnily enough, before any of this happened, I wrote a thing about two people in one room and would you like to have a look at it? And so she did. And she came back quite quickly and said, yeah, I think we should make this. Then that was just the roller coaster from then on. Mm. Uh, she said, who did you have in mind to play Nancy? And I said, well, I mean, it's a long shot, but I had always had Emma Thompson in mind and I wrote it for her with her voice in mind, the way she delivered the lines. And the more I enjoyed listening, hearing her deliver the lines in my head, the more I enjoyed writing the character and so on and so on. And I said, well, I don't want to bother with her, her with it. You know, she's a well 
class actress. I don't need to bother her with every idea. I don't want to bother Emma Thompson. Yeah, I just thought, you know, what am I going to do? Like, just... She's called it the best role of her career. Well, yes, but the, the thing is, is you don't know that at the time. All you've got is a script that you've written that you maybe feel a bit bashful about or not sure about, and you just think, I wonder if anyone else likes this. Because um, that's what writing is a lot, as you guys know, you know, mm-hmm. you write. You kind of sit in your room on your own, writing some things that are in your head, and then you just put them out there and see if anyone else likes it. And so, but Debbie said, you know, well, if you wrote it with her in mind, it would be a bit odd and rude to not even send it to her. <laughs> so I did. And she came back and said again quite quickly and said, yes, let's make this. There's something here. Wow. Here we are less than two years later from that point, um, talking about the finished film, which is just sort of beyond my wildest dreams, really. We did absolutely love reading. And you're right, it is it's just on the zeitgeist, isn't it? But And what's interesting is it's a coming of age film, but the age is 60, not, <laughs> not 18. And I think we probably know the answer to this, but we don't see women this age, do we, in sexual roles, taking sexual pleasure on screen in, you know, from probably what, 40s onwards, maybe mid 40s onwards, let alone 60. And I mean, we conducted a survey of our listeners and sex is really, really important and increasingly important to women in midlife. So what do you think is going on? Why, why has it not happened? I think it will begin to happen more and more and mm. snowball now. As you say, there, there is now a generation of women in their 60s who are independent earners, who are s- single, whether they've been always single or divorced, who own a home, who expect and are entitled to certain things in their lives. And I think those women are broadly take, starting to take control of their own happiness and their own pleasure and not feeling bad about it because they shouldn't have to, not feeling ashamed or guilty about it because they shouldn't have to. And, and that's a powerful voice now that perhaps hasn't really been there before because previous generations of women have been oppressed and, and discouraged from doing any of that, either by being made the butt of a joke or being made ridiculous or just insulted or sometimes just dismissed and ignored. But there's a generation of women now who have no intention of being dismissed and ignored and why should they why should any of us and so I think there's a growing voice and there's a growing audience for this sort of thing but more than that actually outside of even that that group what has been happening in terms of the world of film and tv is that since streaming platforms have really become quite dominant is that there is very specific and good data now about what audiences are actually watching not what we're told they're watching what they're actually watching Mm -hmm. and Reese Witherspoon in her capacity as a producer has talked about this a bit that this data has really really helped her and other producers to understand what people are actually watching what has been an untruth that has been sold to us over and over again both as as creatives filmmakers and audience members is that people turn off if the protagonist isn't a white male people like to say even women don't like it when a woman's in the lead role well, we used to get it all the time in comedy even women don't find other women funny you know it, it, everyone's just much more comfortable if there's this type in the lead role and that is something that the traditional gatekeepers of cinema who also largely happen to be white men <laughs> have told us over and over and over again for years for my whole career that has been the case and that has meant it's very hard to get funding for anything that is different to that Uh, but what the streaming data has shown is that that is just complete nonsense that the audience us as the audience you and me we all of us are really really keen to see other stories with other people in the lead so when you talk to emma about it you both just and producer and director you just all said yeah this will be fine we'll get this green lighted it's no you didn't at any point say to each other 
well, they're not going to like this because the men don't like this. And, you know, unless and, and unless a, a much younger looking woman is cast in the role, unless a more perfect woman is in the role. Did you have any point? I mean, did Emma see at any point say this is not going to happen? We're never going to get this made. No, because Emma in particular specifically is an absolute superpower in terms of film. And so that's what really changed this around. The fact that she said yes, that not only is she is a great artist and a world-class actor, she also has the power to get something away. And it wasn't a huge budget. And so it wasn't like we had to raise tens of millions of dollars. And because she has such power and sway and reputation, she was able to get this funded quite quickly. But she is probably one of quite a small number of actresses Mm -hmm. in that bracket. For that reason, I will just be forever happy and grateful that she said yes. Now let's talk about Leo, Leo from the title, because he's um, he's a sex worker played by Daryl McCormack, who is just divine. Can we say that? He's divine, isn't he? Um, and his character, he explains that he sees his job as a vacation. He enjoys it. He wants to do it well. And I mean, I know you had consultants on the film. Obviously, you spoke to sex workers. What did you learn from them before writing the script about women in midlife and their sexuality? desire the world of sex workers and particularly sex workers who are like leo who are people who have chosen this because they feel a certain vocational aspect to it and there are plenty of sex workers who just want to make money and that's fine Mm -hmm. and they see it as a job but i was interested in the ones that i had read about and watched documentaries about who also had a vocational side to it and I remember one in particular was about a clinic in the Netherlands where sex work is completely legal, which, um, you know, is set up as a clinical practice to help people who really struggle with sexual connections and they get referred by the doctor. So I hadn't consulted directly with sex workers. I know people who work in the sex industry more broadly, but I don't know Mm -hmm. any sex workers personally, or I didn't at that point. So I just wrote somebody in Leo that was as true and authentic as I felt I was capable of writing at that time that said some of the things that I had seen represented or read about, just sort of wanted to give that a voice and then it was subsequent to that when Sophie came on board and we really thought the director Sophie Hyde uh, and she particularly was that we really do need to get consultants in and I was in absolute agreement about that and I think what we learned was that the, the, the Leos and people like Leo with his outlook really do exist and there are plenty of them and we had a lot of them talking to us and helping us and and also we just didn't want to make a stupid and gratuitous mistake just because we were ignorant but what was lovely was that a lot of them did respond to the base note of the film and of him that they said this is quite authentic yes this is this is real this is how a lot of us feel about our work you know sometimes you have a boring day sometimes it goes wrong sometimes it's not great sometimes you don't feel like it of course we're just people but but a lot of us actually do feel like this where we enjoy the actual act of engaging in pleasurable activity with another person they talk about older women clients One particular article that i read that i enjoyed as well was in the national german newspaper and they interviewed a sex worker that was a bit like leo and none of it was anonymized and there was no shame he had a full page you know a picture of him and his name and he talked a lot like leo i i read that subsequent to writing the first draft and he did talk about this pleasure and enjoyment um, in seeing older women, um, particularly his older women clients, um, opening up properly and enjoying themselves properly in a relaxed 
way and that he was able to facilitate that. They also interviewed three or four of his clients who were older women. Again, no anonymity, no shame. They gave their full names, wow. pictures and so on. And discussing him and, you know, the, the friendship that they had with him and that they were regular clients, that they were really happy with the service. That made him really happy to have regular clients, that he liked to get to know a woman and that he really understood that the talking part of it is a big deal and that making a connection and a friendship there without overstepping the boundaries of the work, that engaging on it in a kind of conversational way and opening up the psychology of it and creating the space where you're not going to be laughed at or rebuffed or rejected, that is never going to happen and that he will ensure that that will never happen and he doesn't want it to happen. And I found that very touching um, that, that that was his outlook and that he had given so much to these women and that they were very happy with the service sort of thing. Uh, and I, you know, I just thought, wow, what a world, you know, you know, yeah, it's I, all we, moved to Berlin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just it's very wow. um, erotic, the film, isn't it? It's mm-hmm. a very erotic film and it takes us away from that. Cause I sometimes think that being a bit older now, you, you as women over 50, we've kind of got to look like JLo uh, if we want to be <laughs> in a film or we've got to be one of the Jennifers. We've got to be Jennifer Garner or Jennifer Aniston. We can't be normal looking women with normal bodies. Now in, in the film, Emma is completely naked as Nancy at one point. The thing that struck me was the tummy sucking in, which I know she's talked about. She stands in front of the mirror and she she says, how was I going to do that without sucking in my tummy? Because that's such a Gen X. You're a little bit younger than us, Katie. I think you're at the younger end of Gen X. But I don't know a Gen X woman who wouldn't stand suck her tummy in in front of the mirror. It's just, it's in our psyche. It's almost like we've been brainwashed to do it. How were you going to get, when we get to what we call the more puddingy years, as Emma said, how, how did you envisage that in your head did you think I just don't know how that's gonna play because it's still really erotic the whole film it's still very sexual how did you want to write that without defaulting to that Hollywood put a filter on it make her look sexy so it's okay I think what we were all talking about was not what your body looks like but how it feels and what it can do for you as a a sort of experience center you know I always think of those sort of you know tactile experience zone. you give to children mm-hmm. you know that <laughs> one you can press that one yeah <laughs> you yeah. bring that one Get your hand in here voice yeah <laughs> you know you sort of almost view your body like that or well, if I touch it there that's good and if you press that button that's nice and then, well no leave that bit alone I think what we all were looking for was the idea that you could make friends with your body mm. you don't have to be relentlessly positive about it you don't have to be in complete denial about bits that you don't like you know because that's a bit exhausting as well yeah what you can do is view your body as perfectly all right and a really enjoyable home for you to live in and just make friends with it and just sort of stop worrying so much I mean I think a lot of the people that you're mentioning people like Jennifer Aniston Jennifer Lopez who have who are extraordinary looking but I think as a person who's done acting and been around the acting world and and been with or near to (laughs) people who look like that I think what would be good is to understand how much work goes into that high maintenance look it is basically a full-time job and and I think it would be good if everybody men and women and everybody understood in much the same way that you would look at a bodybuilder and say yeah that's your job to look like that that you you invest hours and hours and hours in looking like that and that's great that's good for you but the rest of us are not necessarily want to be like that and and so that's fine they want to look like that and it does very well for them and, and I admire them and they look fabulous it's not a life that any of us can 
do practically? Obviously, it's going to resonate hugely with a huge swathe of kind of midlife women, 40 plus. Um, what about other people watching the film, younger women and men? Have you have you sort of had feedback? Have you spoken to people who've seen the film? What sort of response are you getting from younger women and say men? It's broadly as positive as, as anything, actually. Mm-hmm. And I think my I was actually more nervous about the women who are the, of the age that Nancy is that I had. I didn't I was worried that people would felt felt that I had been presumptuous or kind of overstepped the mark a bit or had misrepresented it or even somehow been insulting. That's what I was worried about. I really didn't want that to happen. So I've actually been really so happy with the number of women who are the age that Nancy is coming and telling me that they've enjoyed it, that they related to it, that they were happy to see it represented on screen. So that has been really good and exciting and sort of a relief for me but in terms of um, the response from other people it's been the same and in fact only last night a man came up to me after the premiere and just in his 30s I'd say and just sort of came over he made a beeline for me and just said I just want you to say I felt I felt really seen in that film as a man and I just really appreciated it and I think it wasn't just a sex positive film that we wanted to make I wanted to make a a man positive film too and Daryl who plays Leo has talked about it a little bit about he knows young men like this who are gentle and kind and interested in people so laid back he's the most laid back person I've seen on screen for years yes and 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 Daryl himself is a lot like that and too and he said my friends are like him you know I never see men like this represented on screen and a lot of men want to be part of the solution they want to be involved in it it should never be in a film that excludes men either or frightens them off a few people have said they think it might impact their actual relationship and their marriage. Uh, one yeah. middle-aged man told Emma, I think, that he was going to go home and have a conversation with his own wife about whether she was happy with what they did in bed together. Yeah. We talked today on Loose Women, Nadia Sawalad, on air, that only that morning her husband had seen it or her partner had seen it and said, I really feel like I understand you better now. Is there anything you want to talk about? I think all of that is just a deep thrill for all of us that it may be starting positive conversations between couples. And also it doesn't have to be about gender or age or anything. It It is really a story about humans feeling empowered to pursue their own pleasure and not feel bad about it. And I think that just applies to everyone because we do have this culture that seems to associate pleasure with shame or guilt somehow about everything, sex, food. That has always sort of troubled me both personally because I I also have those instincts and impulses, Mm -hmm. but also I wish I didn't. and And I would rather other people didn't either because it's such a waste of energy when you could just be enjoying yourself. (laughs) Having lots of sex and lots of pleasure. (laughs) Now, you're you're known primarily as a comedian. You started out at the Edinburgh Fringe, I think, 2005. You've had your own show on ITV. Uh, You've been in the West End. You've done Strictly Come Dancing, Never Mind the Buzzcocks. You wore a leotard for dance sports relief to dance to Beyonce's put a ring on it and and also you presented the Penguin Books podcast that's a sort of revolutionary type of career really in one way you're not you're not fitting into any kind of slot where does your heart lie Katie Brown? Well I think it really lies in what I'm doing now which is partly why I'm so happy that this film seems to be resonating with people because it means I can continue to write screenplays 
the, the base thing is that I just want to tell stories. I really enjoy being part of the world of entertainment. I always have. I've been, you know, I started out as a production runner when I was 18 and I have not worked in any other industry in any other way since then, both in front of the camera and behind the camera. And so I've always gone from front of camera to production and back again. One of the things that's interesting, I think, about this whole industry is in Britain, particularly if you're a woman or you're of a, an ethnic background that isn't white, <laughs> in this country Mm. it's very hard to make a clear trajectory in just one part of the industry you don't just get oh you've got a tv show oh then therefore you host a panel show oh therefore you get another panel show oh therefore you get a travel documentary with your best male friend it's slightly changing now but still not a lot it just doesn't happen if you're a woman in this country in this business and so what you do often find uh, amongst the women in order to earn a living you have to diversify a lot right and because brick walls will be built before you even got to the end of the road you know you think oh that looks clear maybe down there oh no it's gone up it's something I think that a lot of a lot of the women I know particularly in this business have done simply to remain financially viable and to continue to pursue their dream as a creative person but with the streaming data coming through and the new funding coming for more diverse projects they are going to start looking for those of us who have found it harder to just say, oh, I did a TV show, now I'm going to get another one. Now I'm going to get another commission. Now there's just obviously, and that's it now. I'm just going to get commissions forever. That just doesn't happen for women in this business. But I've enjoyed every single thing I've done. Mm -hmm. I I hope it continues. In your early 40s, we ask all our guests about their menopause and perimenopause experience. Had you heard the word perimenopause? Has that come up in any of the research you did for this project or just generally in life? No, I hadn't. I think, you know, your your first hot flush comes and, you know, you get online and go, oh, there it is, perimenopause. I am definitely, definitely in the foothills of perimenopause and uh, I can feel it happening. Funny things start happening to your body and you start thinking, what is, is, am I old? Am I ill? Or is it the menopause? Or could it be this? So yeah, my experience is that I think I'm at the start of it. I'm definitely having some symptoms. And so yes, I guess I've got the great the great joy of the full menopause <laughs> to, to come. Heading, heading your way. Yeah. So how do you look after yourself, Katie? I mean, you obviously, you're, you know, you're very passionate about writing and the work that you do. How do you look after yourself? What else do you do? I walk a lot. And a few years ago, I did uh, a show on BBC Two called The Pilgrimage, where we had to walk um, 100 kilometres to Rome. And that was part of this show. And, and what really struck me over that period of walking was just how good it was for your mental health and for thinking. It feels like almost a kind of quiet luxury away from everything. So walking is really good. I'm not a hill climber. I hate climbing stuff. But if you set mm-hmm. me off like a little kid's toy on a on a flat surface, I can just sort of steadily <laughs> go for quite a long time. <laughs> I love swimming in the sea. I'll swim in the sea whenever I can. I like to do this weird thing every time I swim in the sea where I kind of weirdly baptize myself each time. <laughs> and I put, I let the waters go over my head and I think about what I would like to happen next in my life every time I do it. And then I go down under, let it close. And then I come up and I think, yeah, maybe I can make that happen. <laughs> I think, you know, I, I definitely eat better than I used to and pay much more attention to that. I mean, when I was a touring comedian, I would say that reeks some 
fairly explosive havoc with your bowels yeah because <laughs> you're never eating at the right time and you know you end up eating motorway service station food at 2 a.m and you get to the point oh, where you yeah. just I never want to see packet pasty in my life ever again and so I think you really do learn to appreciate that that what makes you ill and I think as you get older mm-hmm. as a woman as well you start to have more confidence in saying no that's just going to make me ill my 20s and 30s was just about barreling through on like kind of coffee and wine and crisps and you know and just sort of taking Mm -hmm. some pride I've had crisps for tea again yeah I'm therefore I must be productive and that really has changed a lot now I understand the value of what I put into my body and how much more productive I can be if I'm sensible about that we have part of the show called nostalgia noodle for oh, gen yeah. x we uh, go back in time and we remember sun in all the things from our teenage <laughs> years mm. and obviously you've kind of got two massive nostalgia noodles actually so you wrote a book called i carried a watermelon about dirty dancing because obviously that's one of the big gen x yeah films um and also i hear you once sewed a button on les dennis's shorts and i think probably les is a throwback comedian for us talk (laughs) us quickly through your fascination with dirty dancing i mean it was your mastermind subject why that film well i first saw it on tv when it was on telly when I was about 11 before you could obviously you know it was just if you watched something on TV and it was over then if you hadn't pressed record on your it was over, yeah. on your VHS machine it was like well okay that's <laughs> that then uh, so I saw it and it just blew me away and I think the thing I most remember about it was how I felt at the end which was this weird invincibility and a sense that I could just do anything if I just tried it Uh, which is really the message of the film. And it's also a coming of age film for girls and there aren't very many of those around. Um, And so you really sort of get to see a template for how you might um, come of age. And one of the the most interesting things about it as a film is that she initiates the sex. Uh, She goes to his cabin and knocks on his door when she's been expressly told to go home by her father, but she knows what she wants. There's no other reason why she's gone to, (laughs) you know, she hasn't just come to explain, you know, (laughs) we know exactly. And she knows and he knows why she's arrived there. And then it's really good sex. And I think that is something really interesting for a, 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 a thing about te- for teenage girls is that of course there's a fantasy element to it and of course it's not going to be Patrick Swayze for everyone but the idea that you could lose your virginity and it not be awful I think was a really great thing because girls are told it's going to be horrible it's going to hurt a lot and maybe after 10 years you'll find someone you enjoy it with if you're lucky you know you just think you really don't have to give that message out <laughs> you know you can you can tell a different story with it so I think that made me that interested me and lit up some bits of my brain, but also just her attitude, just that she's going to say yes and figure it out later. Mm-hmm. And I, I really like that. And I think that's something that I have tried to live by a bit is that if someone says, do you want to do this broadly, just say yes and then mm-hmm. figure it out later. I bet they didn't um, ask you about the sex on Mastermind, did they? No. Any- <laughs> sex? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, it was very much confined to which song is playing in the background when they're trying the wigs on. Oh God. Okay. <laughs> oh you've been oh. absolutely brilliant you know i'm 53 trish is a bit older than me she's 54 as mm. two Thank midlife yeah. older women that film i just think it's gonna spark so many conversations i mean we all know that we all know those women are part of our lives and you know we wrote the magazines that you know they were reading and i just think it's yeah. gonna open up such a conversation i just think it's gonna be brilliant so thank you very much for writing that and thank you for coming on the show thank you for having me Thank you.
Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at bluenile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This week's How to Win at Midlife is going to help with something we all suffer from, from different degrees at various points in life, and rather a lot of it in midlife, unfortunately, stress and anxiety. There are lots and lots of different ways to deal with this, and there is no one-size-fits-all solution to it. We all need to find what works for us. Have I ever mentioned cold water swimming to you, Trish? Mm, do you know I do it occasionally? Twice, maybe. Yes, yes. <laughs> I think we've all got that by now. <laughs> Anyway, we are helpful souls and we like to try lots of different things on your behalf and bring you new ideas and inspiration. And I have to say, Trish, you're going to surprise me this week, aren't you, with your latest adventure? What have you been doing? I have been, wait for it, forest bathing. Is that, do you have to wear a leafy swimsuit? (laughs) What's that about? Well, you could do if you wanted to get very cold and muddy. No, no bikinis or swimmies required. Uh, There is no wateriness involved in forest bathing. I actually spent a lovely day in an ancient woodland in deepest, darkest Surrey of all places with um, a breathwork coach called Justine Clements. And we indulged in a spot of forest bathing followed by some conscious, connected breathing. What tree hugging is this? (laughs) Almost. Yeah, tree hugging me um, what is conscious connected breathing there's a lot of talk about breathing isn't there and how important it is and I've done a few sort of yogury type breathing things but I've not heard of conscious connected breathing well apparently there are hundreds of types of breath work out there but this style is the one that Justine who she's been working well-being for many years and she's studied with some of the world's leading masters in breath yoga meditation shamanic practices psychotherapy everything and she thinks this is a really good one and I will explain more about it in a bit but she says it reduces stress and anxiety increases lung capacity improves immunity and circulation increases energy removes toxins from the body and helps clear emotional baggage is she like a female wim hof <laughs> what it is it's quite a big promise isn't it, it clear is, my emotional it? baggage take yeah well I, I tell you, well it was good it was very good but um interesting justine suffers from Raynaud's disease have you oh, do you know that well you know when a your lot fingers, of swimmers get it yeah yeah exactly in her hands and, and she says that after a few weeks of practicing this breathing technique when she when she was you know training for it many years ago she noticed a dramatic improvement so i will tell you more about that in a minute but i think i need to sell the forest bathing to you first because I don't think you're very keen. Pretend that I am Deborah Meaden <laughs> on Dragon's Den. 
Pitching. So it's basically this Japanese practice and forest bathing is the literal translation of the Japanese term for it, which is Shinrin-yoku. So there we go. And it's kind of effectively, obviously it sounds really simple and like any old idiot can do it. Um, but basically it's about being calm and quiet. Amongst the trees. <laughs> well, I am any old idiot, so I can do it. Uh, but obviously there's there's more to, than just going yes, in the forest Trish, and sitting so. down. Uh, it's it's got really sort of medically scientifically proven yeah. like stress um de-stressing health and well-being benefits and actually in japan doctors offer it as a prescription so you can have mm. a pill or you can have some sessions of forest bathing and um and actually there's a kind of lobby to try and get that happening here in the uk as well because of they the... have forest schools don't they here now exactly as well. yes exactly for the yeah. for the little ones and i think it's one of those ones that you know if you're someone who struggles with that sort of inward focusing meditation mindfulness if you just can't get to grips with that doing something like this that is outward focusing but delivers the same sort of calming mindful benefits it's, is probably why do really they call good. it bathing then is it well, because you're outside and nature is washing over you is that well, I suppose the sense? that's quite a nice interpretation it's actually the literal translation from the japanese justine told right. me so the the japanese shinrin yoku i can speak japanese now means forest bathing so that's why but obviously people do think oh do i go and jump in a pond in, you're outside you're yes. sat down i'm presuming well, stood well up. We, no i tell you what um i think i'm just going to quickly give wearing? you one more health benefit i'm wearing all my outdoor gear it was a little bit it was a bit okay. chilly you've got that higher concentration of oxygen yeah in the, because you've got trees going on and apparently trees expel this chemical that helps them fight off disease and this chemical boosts our immune system you know those nk cells right. we were talking about before, yeah boosts yeah. them so if you go and have a couple wow. of hours you're going to get a real boost but anyway so what we did was it's all very nice calm and lovely and justine was a really lovely she got one of the that very, very nice calm energy well, so as we went into the forest we picked up a stone and a stick and then we walked slowly to this big oak tree and we did this kind of lovely mindfulness eyes closed visualization alerting all the senses little exercise and then we just kind of I had to drop my stick somewhere and set an intention about what I wanted to leave in the forest what I wanted what kind of emotional thing I wanted to leave in the forest and then we just we did lots of lovely observations she gave me like a little magnifying glass thing and you just went around and picked things and looked up really close at them you know we drank some hawthorn tea that she'd made from some Hawthorn leaves from the woods, which was very nice. Got a bit pick... ab fab on me, Trish. Oh, I'm loving it. We could, uh, yes, it's I no bolly. No bolly. Patsy and Eddie, <laughs> yes, forest bathing. Exactly. And we picked it's up a good the job. Earl. You didn't take me, isn't it? I know. Well, exactly. This is why I couldn't even tell you about it. So <laughs> we picked up this lovely earth. We smelt it. We touched it. it. Smells amazing. And then she left me. She left me on my own sitting in the That's sort not of oak a thing tree. you would like is it no I loved it I was kind of ready for it by that point she didn't know she was going to do it and she said if you shout very loudly I'll probably be able to hear you so she sort of <laughs> she left my me on my own and sort of just suggested doing things like you do this focusing things where you focus at something close in so you could just see like little you know ants or whatever on the ground little leaves moving and then you kind of shift your focus further and further and further away and then you bring it back and it's actually really a nice thing to do in all looking at all the different shades of green and, and all of this kind of thing it was really lovely and then she came back for me six, <laughs> six weeks later six weeks later when you'd grown a beard and you I were was a talking bit, to a 
baseball. Yes, I was a bit dehydrated because the Hawthorne tea had run out. Um, no, uh, she came back. <laughs> she came back for me. There's more to it than that. This is obviously no, a very I... simple overview, but gives you kind of an idea. And I was feeling very calm and lovely, so she came back for how me. Long and then did, how long did you I have would to say that was far, a look good... away, look back again. Well, oh, the far away, but well, you just sort of do it for about 10 minutes. You you're on your own for about 10 minutes, but the whole sort of forest thing, um, because we then went on and did the conscious connect breathing in the forest. But if you were just to do the forest bathing, it'd probably be hour and a half. You're recommended okay. two hours to kind of boost those NK cells. So that's kind of the, right. the sort of recommended time. So I was feeling very lovely and well, calm. I'm going to ask one more question. Go what on. did you want to leave when you put your stick down? Was it that your co-host? Well... <laughs> I want I want to leave her branch out on my own. Yes, so I did there. I could. Out on yes, branch. It's all the tree puns. Oh all the tree puns. <laughs> what did you leave? Um, I Private. can't remember. It was something. It was probably something. It's gone, hasn't it? You've left it. Exactly. Exactly. Brilliant. Exactly that. I think it was something about being a judgmental old cow, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. No? me can be a bit judgmental sometimes anyway so justine came back to get me you know i was feeling very calm and lovely and she led me further into the woods for our conscious connected breathing session and um she'd set up under this beautiful tree like all these rugs a sheepskin rug um for me to kind of lie down on little pillow hot water bottle your blankets and um and that's when we started doing the, the kind of breathing thing. It was obviously very slow and, and, and kind of gentle. Um, the technique, let me explain the technique to you. Now, I've never done this before, and it was quite, it was actually quite challenging because you have to keep your mouth open. So imagine keeping your mouth quite wide open and then inhaling through your mouth and breathing out through your mouth, but you inhale longer through your mouth and then just do a sort of quick, sharp exhale. Wow. And she kept having to kind of, because obviously you get into this kind of steep state of relaxation and everything. She, she kind of keeps gently reminding you, open your wife your mouth wider because you end up closing it and sleep she, yeah. yeah and the idea is you bring the breath right down into into your, your sort yeah. of abdomen you know that and she puts her hand on your abdomen to make sure that it's kind of it's harder than it looks off. that isn't it i think well, it is and i would say the first 10 minutes i was quite conscious of trying to am i doing it right and everything but then it just sort of off i went and i don't know where i was i'd gone off into this mm. deep relaxation but she was doing sort of acupressure on my calves and all this kind of thing so it was very she's talking to you the whole time so it was indeed very relaxing and then when she brought me round, I was like oh and I'd had this sensation now this is a bit weird I had this sensation you know when you're in a massage sometimes you're lying down and they pull your head to kind of almost yeah. like lengthen your mm. I thought someone was had been doing that to me and wow. I asked her and she said no no I only touched your your kind of legs so I had this sort of lengthening effect which was really when, um, amazing I watched freeze the fear with Wim mm. Hof and oh, they yes. did the breathing with the celebrities mm. they went into an altered state I yes. mean Gabby Logan was crying her eyes out yes. for about 10 minutes and yes. there was twitching and so and they couldn't really a lot of them couldn't really remember and, mm. and somebody saw someone's dead mother it's a yes. real, it does take it, you to a different well, plane I'm going to talk to you it? about that because I was very conscious about my uh, you know my dead mother um, yeah. while I was doing this breathing I don't know maybe that you know it's just there was something I was thinking and I think maybe I was thinking that it was her who was kind of pulling my neck. But now this is a bit spooky. Do you know about kind of Robins being associated with lost loved ones? Yeah. 
So yeah. my I'm, friend Nina and I always say hello yes, to her grandma when we yes, go for a walk. Yes, yeah, and so whenever I see a Robin and my sister, it's it's my mum. And so after it kind of finished, we sat up and it was very gentle, and there was some hawthorn tea, and it was all very lovely. And I saw this Robin hopping around, oh. and I said to her, "Oh my goodness, that's made me think of my mum." And she said, "You know what? It's been here for the whole hour." bobbing around you yeah, for the whole hour spooky isn't it not spooky yeah. it's lovely it was it's lovely. lovely it's really nice because it's really giving you lovely. a connection yeah which in this busy manic day-to-day moments you wouldn't and that's what nature does doesn't it helps yes, you connect exactly so so it was just amazing and it was really lovely and actually the other thing was we probably got into the forest by about 11 o'clock and then sort of after the breathing and we'd sort of you know come out of it and everything uh, out of the breathing and I said oh what time is it it's three o'clock I really four got hours four hours wow. had no clue at all it was so talk about being in in moment. that moment and being in there so I I mean I I thought it was really You'd lovely. You'd recommend it would you? What about for someone who's a bit giddy and mm. very finds it very difficult to focus on anything mm. and is distracted by almost everything every now, minute would it work for that kind of person? person? I don't know that who that be, would I be. Well I think that's Justine's job isn't it to kind of get you and I think she would. She might have to wrestle me to the ground. Do that. <laughs> Pin you down fighting. with a very heavy blanket or something. She <laughs> might get you to, over me. She might get you to shut up for one minute and um, and actually do it. <laughs> actually do I, I think you'd be surprised and I think you'd be very pleasantly surprised by the whole thing so um yeah I think can you was, take uh, the breathing practices in day-to-day life would you could you now yes you know in your quiet moment in your little garden do that as well I could do I think I would need some more one-to-one sessions which you right. can do Justine offers those virtually or um you can go and see her in person you can do right. it just to get more of the technique because I think because I sort of dozed off sort of or drifted off um quite Quite quickly into it but I think you would practice it and then you could do your own your own practice which I think is really good is there um, um visual evidence of this situation well I have got some pictures which I which Justin which? took of me in the in the woods so I'll, I'll post floating them above your... the ground <laughs> practically your eagle and outfit I've got, oh the other one I'm doing is barefoot you go barefoot on all the earth as well that was right your connection with the earth is very nice so I'll post a few pictures good, shall I good, on good, the good, old good. social yeah. media but you can find out more about Justine and all of her courses on her website which is wonderbreath.co wonderbreath.co and there are some great videos on there where she introduces the breathing technique so Lorraine you can just pop on and have a look so you can understand it oh, and I think there's also a, a kind of uh, a free audio trial that you can download as well if you fancy giving it a go and um my half day session just sort of one-to-one with uh, uh justine forest bathing and breathing costs about 225 pounds which right. i think is actually worth it and would be a great present for someone or you know joint yeah. birthday present or something and as i said you can do in-person breathing sessions with justine and she does them online too and a virtual session costs about 95 pounds well, I'm all for the breathing, um, any breathing activity, because it's so good for the, it's the vagus nerve, isn't it? Yes. It calms down. We do actually have on the podcast quite a lot of uh, interviews mm. with people about reducing stress and anxiety. There's a huge back catalogue of uh, interviews with experts. Um, we talked to therapist Philippa Perry. We talked to Julia Samuel, therapist. And we've talked to wellness experts, fitness experts. We've talked about hypnotherapy um, mm-hmm. as well. 
And there is a really good thread on our private Facebook group started by Donna about her middle of the night anxiety, mm. which is really common, isn't it? And she got so many recommenda- recommendations, um, including getting weighted blankets, which several members of the group now have, uh, stops you wake up at 4am with the terrors, and apparently helps you get back to sleep. I know a lot of mums, actually, who buy mm. um, these blankets for their teenagers, and it's really helpful, actually. Mm. Yeah, it's definitely worth investigating. And there was something on there as well that I've never heard of, but I think I'm I'm going to try this being a little bit of a bit of a masochist um, and it's re- recommended by Rachel and it's called a Shakti mat which is an acupressure mat with loads of little spikes on it all over oh, it and you lie on it. That go into your points, your pressure into, points. Yes, it's all over your back and Rachel says it's just perfect for my anxieties. You have to be so focused to lie on it and breathe through the initial burn. Then you go into a super relaxed bliss. Even my kids use it when they feel a little stressed. So that's interesting, a Shakti mat. We'll put, yeah. uh, we'll put a link on the Facebook yeah. for that because I think that sounds very interesting. So there we have it, listeners. Forest bathing, conscious connected breathing, blankets and spikes, but huge stress-busting content for you there. Goodness me, we will win an award for this. The time has arrived for our midlife milestones and magic moments, all the M's, in which one of our listeners calls in to share their short story of a midlife epiphany. This is a little bit of inspiration for all of you out there, we hope, uh, who may need a nudge to make a change or simply want to hear how other midlife women are making the most of their wonderful second acts. Today, we have Charlotte on the line. Hello, postcards from Midlife. My name is Charlotte Simmons. I'm 49 years old and I live in Bournemouth in Dorset. My midlife milestone has been setting up my own homeware card and print business at the age of 47 in memory of my mum, Susie. When I was 39, my mum and best friend Susie was diagnosed with liver and bile duct cancer. I had an eight-month-old and a three-year-old and was a busy working mum. And all of a sudden, my world was turned upside down. The following two years became a blur of mum's gruelling cancer treatments and trying to support a young family whilst holding down a stressful design job. It was while I sat with her in hospital that the seed for my now business was sown. It was Mother's Day and Mum was in HDU with sepsis, and I sat praying she wouldn't die. Mum was an artist and so I always had a sketchbook with her, so I started to draw and sketch as a way of staying connected with her while she was so poorly. She survived sepsis, but unfortunately, a few months later, she passed away at the age of 65. I was beyond devastated and couldn't imagine how I would ever bounce back from this, so to block out the noise of the grief, I continued to draw. As I drew, I started to realise that the only way to cope with this terrible tragedy was to start something positive that could help others. So on the 30th of August 2014, on the first anniversary of her death, I set up Flowers for Susie, a yearly creative charity fundraiser in honour of my mum, Susie the Artist. Each year, for the next few years, I created a unique product which I sold to raise money for an amazing bile duct cancer charity, the AMMF. Through this, I discovered lino printing and the future of Flyers for Susie was secure. In November 2019, I was made redundant. A few months later, the pandemic hit and bam, I was stuck at home without any freelance work and homeschooling my two children. So I set about turning my yearly fundraiser into a business. Fast forward two years and I now have a thriving business Best thing about it, my mum is with me day in and day out, and that feels so very special. I wanted to share my story with the other listeners so they can see that even out of the darkest and saddest times can come the most positive things that can transform lives. 
So that was Charlotte with her story about setting up her business, flowersforsusie.co.uk, in memory of her mum. And if you want to send in your magic midlife milestones and moments, all the M's, then you can email us with your story at hello at postcardsfrommidlife.com. And all we ask is you record into a phone for under two minutes. It's really simple. And we love hearing about your midlife milestones. Now, I know we do guess the year now as our nostalgia noodle, but I know it's becoming more, ever more taxing for me because I can't do maths. <laughs> Are you changing the rules? So I'm changing the rules you're to losing. suit me. Yeah, so okay. I've been writing this book, which is haunting me, and I've been doing some research and I was looking through some stuff that I have mm-hmm. collected of my 20,000 million years in magazines. And I found a note, book trash from Dave Stewart. Oh, who interviewed... Stuart Eurythmics, Dave Stewart. Yes, he's 69 okay. now. Who interviewed Demi Moore for me. Ooh, that's um, a very good double well, act, isn't it? An unexpected I was thinking, duo. Yes, so I thought, oh, I'll do magazine... I'll ask Trish about magazine covers mm. in this year that we put Demi Moore okay. on the cover of Marie Claire. Turns out we didn't put her on the cover. We didn't put celebrities on the cover in these times can you imagine imagine? Demi Moore so he shot a picture of her for us while she was doing that film about Navy Seals and he says in his note hi Lorraine I fucked up and recorded over the first minute of our conversation So he did the interview and the pictures. Yeah. And then he goes on to say to, to write out what, what Demi was telling him. And she was talking about her fourth day of SEAL training with 45 oh, men. Navy SEALs. <laughs> anyway, he said, I hope that's okay. It's exactly what she what she said. But I'm not a journalist and I do waffle on a bit myself. Maybe you could cut my questions out or shorter than brackets, please. Love you, Dave. Oh. <laughs> anyway, fantastic. so what year would no, Mary Claire? Can I just say? Go, go, go. You wouldn't get that these days, would you? Yeah. A handwritten note Access. from a huge pop star. Wouldn't no, you? Wouldn't no, you wouldn't get it. You might was... get a little WhatsApp if you were lucky, but there we go. Anyway. Him and Demi had met through Deepak Chopra, is all I'm saying to you. Anyway, oh. it was Marie Claire under Glenda Bailey's editorship. Yes, yes. We didn't put Demi on the more because celebs didn't generally go on the no. cover. There were one or two on the cover. Mm. Uh, Diane Kruger was on that cover, actually. But now, being a model, not being, being a model. Yeah. And the other covers in the market were Naomi, Kate, Linda, Helena, right. and Claudia. <laughs> so we're in mega super territory here, super yeah. model territory. Right. Shall I just give you a year? Give us a year. Just I'm going to go 93. Nearly, nearly. Uh, Madonna was on Vanity Fair. She was playing Evita. Mario Testi who shot her. Mm. I'm just thinking more about how long Glenda was at Marie Claire. I think she was only there about six years. So, and she started it in 88. So I'm doing some maths. You're already doing maths. 94. Getting much closer. 95, 95. Hang on. 96, 96. Cindy Crawford was on the cover of Cosmo. And it was the year they relaunched their... This is so interesting. The year they relaunched their male centrefolds with a the return of the centrefold, 16 hot pages Ooh, of men. And a lot, the, the, the cover centerfold. line alongside it was nine out of ten rapists go free. It was quite, it's quite extraordinary. Mm, so that women can read about all things. It? Yes, it's confusing. Centrefolds and rapists. You mm, are, okay. did get it just now. You did get did one of the 95? No. 94. No. Three. No. Six. 
Yes. Oh, 1996. 1996. Okay. What so, about sh- that? so you well, were where Marie were you? Claire. I was. I think I was still on More magazine, but I got that was my year I got married. So that was right. a big year for me. But I was deputy editor on More magazine. We were just uh, focusing how old on were you then? Well, magazine. I was must have been about twenty eight. I was about twenty. Yeah. So you were yeah. you were Marie Claring. I was living in my first little house in Wandsworth. Had stone cladding on the front. Do you remember stone cladding? Like no, Trisha, Duck- it would have been no interest to me no. then or now. <laughs> but it was like Fury Duckworth's house in Coronation Street. Okay. Do you remember that? <laughs> and we're kind of leading leading us off track here. Yes, I was talking about feminism and supermodels, and you're talking about stone cladding, which is really the difference between us, isn't it? No wonder you need the forest bathing. Oh, gosh. Well, that brings us to the end of this week's episode of Postcards from Midlife. New episodes are available to listen to every Sunday on your podcast provider. Um, If you can download them, that is incredibly helpful for us because it counts on our listener numbers. And um, we'd like to thank everybody who's been rating and reviewing us. We've had some lovely reviews, but we'd like more, please. So if you know how to do that on your little app, um, that would be most marvellous. And do tell all your friends about us because we want to keep this midlife conversation going. Um, come and join us on our private Facebook group to, so we can all chat about it. Um, easy to do. Just look up Postcards from Midlife Facebook. And you can use it to post any feedback on the topics we discuss, as well as suggestions for other things you'd like to hear talk about or celebrities and experts you'd love to hear interviewed. Um, and you can email us at hello at postcardsfrommidlife.com or pop a little message on the Instagram. Goodbye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.